0: This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Kahn, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guest is JJ Johnson. JJ owns Field Trip in Harlem, a restaurant he fought hard to open and could not afford to shut down. JJ is also married to a New York City nurse, and knowing her predicament changed the way field trip would function. Coming up, hear who JJ's been feeding, how he's been doing it, and why this new model has made him more ambitious, conscientious, and compassionate than ever before. We're back tomorrow with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for JJ. JJ, hi. How are you? I'm I'm tired just watching you, man. You you have had a busy, busy uh, COVID nineteen period, and I want to I want to talk through it. We've been trying to catch each other for a minute. Um, yeah. You know, you had opened your, your restaurant field trip, I think, about eight or nine months ago. At, at this point, You're right?
1: July 10.
0: July tenth, and it was a long road to open up. There were there were delays, there were financing issues, there were issues with the glass, and I think there was the con Ed issue that everybody has who's opening a restaurant. When are they going <laughs> to turn on?
1: Exactly.
0: When are they going to turn on the power? Um, so for you, you know, shutting it down was not an option. Can you tell me about you know the early days of what was going through your head, like as this was ramping up, just after this period when you've you've really started to get your restaurant you know, to hum and to be part of the community. Couldn't have come at a worse time for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really couldn't have come at a worse time. We came off one of our strongest months ever, really started to find our footprint, uh, started to get some corporate dining sponsors for a lot of off-site eating. Um, And that was, I want to say, was like the turn of the corner. And I want to say February, end of January, end of February, we were doing really well. Uh, started planning for the U.S. Open. We've been at the U.S. Open for for two years. We've been going on our third year. Um, But we started to see a decline one week in sales, really due to the information that was coming out about COVID-19. And we were seeing less people eating in in the restaurant, more people grabbing food to go, but still not enough, uh, and just trying to follow uh, what was going on. And I would say... Danny Meyer closes restaurants. People started to follow him. I was on the phone with my peers and they were saying, you know, this is going to be like a two week thing. And I'm like, no guys, not a two week thing. My wife's a nurse. She's like, listen, we're three months behind China. So pay attention to China. We're going to be in this for at least three months. And everybody's like, no, 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 you're crazy. You're crazy. And I was like in three months I would burn through all my cash that we would have due to the fact that nothing just automatically stops. Everybody thinks everything just stops. Like your kind of bill is going to stop and pest control, all these little things, sales tax, and, uh, investors knocking on your door. So I kind of locked myself in this room that I'm in now. I don't suffer from anxiety. I probably had my first anxiety attack and I was like, what can I do? What will I do? And um, I had to have that conversation with my staff who were, I was like, hey, we're going to cut back 30 hour, 30% thirty of your time. Back, some were like, well, I can't work right now anyway because the governor just mandated, and the mayor just mandated for everybody to work from, kids will be schooling from home. So we lost a couple of staff members there. And then I just said, you know, one night my wife came home in this process and said, hey, you know, did you bring any food home? Or did we, or... Or did you get delivery? Because I didn't eat all day. And I'm like, it's 1230 in the morning. You left at seven. what are you talking about? She's like, it's so crazy. I haven't eaten all day. And what I did was the next day, I sent her team some food. Um, and then I thought, like, what about my, what about my local hospital, a Harlem Hospital? And I, we rounded up about 40 rice bowls. Um, and we dropped them off to their ICU room. And we took, I took it to Twitter and said, I think I just did the greatest thing in my life. I just fed some frontline workers and somebody on Twitter came back and was like, how many, how many bowls? I'll match you. And then somebody else came back and said, I'll match you. And then the phone rang at field trip. And next thing you know, we had give or take about $3,000 in bowls to deliver for the week. So I like call my staff. Up. I'm like, Hey, I need some people to come back. And that really started the movement uh, of, of what the work that we started to do was, hey, let's take care of our community. Let's figure out how to take care of them. Let's do it at cost. And that's going to keep us going, but also give us this footprint in a community that just started to get to know us, but is really getting to know us better and better each day now.
0: That's incredible. I didn't realize that it all started with you know, the realization that your, your wife, who's a nurse at the hospital for, for special surgery, which has been converted to a, a COVID unit, uh, wasn't eating. I mean, it was it was very close to home.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was super close to homeless. And my my aunt is a nurse at New York Presbyterian, um, and and ran three rooms there. Retired now. My great aunt was a nurse. Nursing in my family's there. But yeah, really close to home. And just thought about people in our community. And then my staff started thinking like, hold on, JJ, like these people were feeding our our customers. So we started to realize that. A lot of our customers were our doctors and nurses as a true working class of frontline workers in New York, so we, we just started to feed who our normal customer base is.
0: Can we just talk about nurses for a second? Yeah, one hundred percent Tell me about you know what your wife's been going through through all of this and, and you know combine it with the work that, that you 've been doing. you guys also have uh, two year old twins
1: you know, two year old twins a boy and a girl going super stir crazy i 'm sure anybody. <laughs> Can, uh, can attest to that, jumping off of things that I would never have thought of jumping off of in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, at one point, you know, my wife had to sit me down at one time and say, listen, I might have to send you guys off in a way. And I'm like, what do you mean off in a way? And she's like, yeah, if we. if I get COVID-19 or coronavirus, there is no, um, there is no, I can't have you guys in the house. I can't risk that. So you might have to go self-quarantine with your parents. You might have to go to my parents. You might have to go to a hotel room uh, because you're not going to be able to go here. But if I do get the virus, you know, it's going to get really real. And hopefully she has the antibodies or I have the antibodies or we've had it before. But, you know, every day I see her come home or listen to her on the phone with her team and talk about the deaths in this, in a space like they have they don't have deaths and to see people die or to hear these stories on tv that she can relate to like if anybody if there's not a nurses parade or a, uh you know a healthcare parade uh for our nurses and doctors and housekeepers and maintenance people in the hospitals and we don't treat um, them better in life then we, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror because um you know, it's interesting. I, I I look out to what people write on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. A lot of people out there that don't believe that COVID nineteen exists because it has has had no effect on their life. In my household, there's COVID nineteen exists every day, right? The conversation of it, of what we do, how we carry ourselves, type of mask we wear, how we come in and out of our house, what to what to tell our friends, um, has affected. Uh, my wife's, Mia's life a lot. Uh, and also then it trickles down into my life. Um, and me I me personally, I know three people that have personally died from COVID. And I'm sure everybody will know somebody on events, somebody that had in their house or somebody that passed away, which is really sad.
0: Yeah, no, same. I, I also know people who have died. And it, it's, it's shocking to hear that there's still people in this country that, that don't believe it exists when there's so many of us for whom, you know, our lives have now changed forever.
1: Yeah, forever, I mean, every aspect of our life will be different moving forward. Um, I don't think anybody will sit next to someone and listen to somebody slurp a noodle and cough. Um, And, you know, that's what I'm seeing in a restaurant every day now. It's like, nobody wants to wait in a line. Somebody wants to tell you, come to the counter. Um, Or people are spread out very, all the way to outside when they're coming to pick up a delivery. So, you know, I'm looking at the – I'm studying people and how they react in, 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 in dining now, what they look like, uh, how they feel. You know, I think the biggest thing is that when people think they don't have to wear a mask and they can come into your establishment, it's not us. We have masks on. It's the, all the people around them that are now like, hey, hey, man, where's your mask? And then there's these arguments. It's like, hold on. They're right. You have to step outside. So, like, we're break, we're this, like, the bodyguard – of the world to make sure people uh, follow the rules, um, but yeah, it, it, it's very interesting. Very interesting it, times.
0: It is interesting. I mean, there's no real enforcement of this stuff. It, there's no laws. There's no one who's saying like you have to wear a mask or, or you're going to get fined. So it is going to, you know, be the responsibility of business owners in a way to guide their customers in a certain way. Like if you want to be a part of this meal. You're gonna you're gonna wear a mask in my restaurant, except when yeah. you're taking a bite.
1: One hundred percent. And yesterday, I had my first time with the with the guests, and they like pulled their shirt up over their their shirt up over their nose. I'm like, is this good enough? I was like, no, it's not good enough. You're gonna have to leave and come back. Yeah. Or or, or just knock on the window. So you know. So I believe tech is gonna play a major role in um in dining. Yeah. Uh, and I'm working on some tech stuff with Field Trip now that probably I would have thought about in two to three years. So, things that I was thinking about in two to three years, uh, now I'm thinking in two to, two to four months.
0: Like, what are some of those things?
1: I can't tell you that now.
0: Super, super secret Field Trip news. Yeah, I
1: mean, listen, the reason why Sweet Green is Sweet Green is because they have technology, right?
0: Yeah. They're
1: different than anybody else out there. So, if I could get a tech component, added on the field trip to help the dining experience and the way I'm thinking or I'm seeing, uh, I can go from maybe a $6 million valuation to a hundred million dollar valuation and my whole life would change. I'll be able to, I'll be able to stay in the Hamptons, uh, while, while
0: (laughs) (laughs) next, next quarantine for you. Um, (laughs) I know you've always wanted to scale this. You know, I, I know it's always been a concept for you that you, that you believed ha- had legs and could be national and international. And it is interesting to to try to speed up that timetable based on things you've learned in a disaster.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, field trip was always like, I always said if field trip could work in Harlem, it could work anywhere in the world. It could work in communities that look like Harlem, Oakland, Charlotte, um, Wynwood. Detroit. Detroit, right um because you know harlem is the greatest city in the world when we look at movies people reference harlem as black excellence so we i took a big risk and i rolled the dice and in the process of this i said to my staff to kira who's our lead cashier who who's here a lot now um i said to her well if Papa's closes it'd be a blessing in disguise and she's like you're crazy they'll never close it Sure enough, Popeye closes every day at 5 o'clock, and we get a new customer from Popeye's every day that's looking to go to Popeye's. It happens that it's not open, and they walk over to us, and then we convert them. And they realize, oh, I can get fried chicken. I can get rice. It tastes amazing. And the people in here I know because they li- live in my community. Also, these guys really care about food, and they also are here in the darkest times with us. So... Um, that's what's really, I think, been really important in, in building a community. And I think as field trip goes into uh, the next community, um, people will say, oh, that was that restaurant that was there. And I know we have a hurricane, a tornado, a pandemic. They're going to figure out for us how to get food. And originally, um, we only, I only wanted to do 10 field trips uh, over a course of time. And then we started getting inquiries from all over the all over the country recently, like Oklahoma City, uh, Maryland, um, Detroit, Oakland. And I started to say if Oklahoma City or Allentown, Pennsylvania is calling me, then maybe this is bigger than what I've ever envisioned.
0: I think there's also a question now where people are asking developers maybe asking, investors maybe asking, what is this place going to add to our community? What do we need to, br-? I mean, this is an idealistic thing for me to say that real estate people are are, are wanting to, to better their community, but maybe, you know, maybe they want anchors who, who can help.
1: Real estate, uh, giants are, I'm not saying all of them are calling, but we're getting a couple emails here and there of, of, of developers uh, that are reaching out to us saying, I'm watching your work. And I know restaurants aren't coming back in my spaces, and it would be an honor to have you in our space.
0: I guess one thing you're also showing is you know how to keep the doors open, and you're somebody who can get rent paid during a during during a crisis. Yeah,
1: rent paid, or there's some type of cash flow coming to you. I'm not saying you're getting all of our rent right now, but we are talking to you about different structures. How can we pay you? We can give you this. We we in this process. I mean, my landlord has been amazing here. Um, In the beginning of the pandemic, they came to us and told us, don't don't worry about it. And then we originally came to them and said, hey, this is what we can do. Um, I know it's not a lot, but I want to give you something in good faith, right? Uh, Because we know that there's clauses in our lease that say we don't really have to pay anything, but we could be fighting that out in court for years. So why even go through that? Let's try to figure out a structure in a six-month base so we're, you know, we're, we're paying rent for six months and six months. And then what does it look like in the next six months? Um, and we, we have really good partners and that, that's what's really big for me is about partnership. I don't think I'll ever sign a lease or do anything with a developer if, if they if they don't want to be a good partner in some way, somehow.
0: Did the, the PPP stuff help you out at all? Did you get any relief from that? I
1: haven't got any PPP money yet. I went through the process with Chase right away. It was in, incredible. My accounting firm has, I think, 150 New York City restaurants. I was the first one to get through. I got a banker. Uh, I signed the application. Supposedly, I was approved. I waited two, three weeks. I heard nothing. Then everybody else got money. Um, and now I'm waiting on the second go-round to try to get money. We I applied to a bunch of other banks. I haven't gotten it yet. I'm not asking for a lot of money. But I want to be really like um, – and a lot of people won't like for what I say here, but if you're the bank and you're giving out a loan, who are you giving the loan to? Giving the loan to somebody you know you're going to get your money back or at least you're going to get some money back. They're not going to give the loan to restaurants when they know the restaurants can barely make their margins or pay their rent or their sales tax, especially with the message that we've been putting out, don't pay sales tax, don't do this, don't do that. So now you get your PPP money, which 75% of it is to pay your employee, 25% of it is to pay rent, and you hope it's forgivable. It is not 100% forgivable. We don't even know if it will be forgiven. So it's a great loan. So I'm looking at it if I get it as a loan and we figure out how to build it into the economics.
0: It's true. Nobody should be expecting banks to be the moral police during this time and handing oh. out money based on, on actual need. They're looking out for their best interests too, which is why the money actually has to come directly from the government as part of a dedicated relief plan.
1: Correct. It, ha- it has to be. Or, or, you'll, or you need that concierge service to walk you to the guy to sign off on it for you to get it. Um, I'm tired of hearing about I'm waiting for the SBA number to come to give you your money. It's like, well, then how did everybody else get their SBA number uh, when they got the money before it was even given out? So, uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, we, we all want to be big one day. And I think when you become big, these are the issues that you run into. Uh, but also when you're big, you have a different network. Your investors are helping you. Uh, Some of these investors in these big companies, Shake Shack, uh, Potbelly, they're bankers, right? And that's the reason why you have them on your investment team. So when I'm going out for my next fund, I know who to knock on, what doors to knock on.
0: (laughs) Totally. Or, you know, the case of certain businesses, you sell off some stock, you have new capital.
1: Right. So um, I, I think everybody has to like, you also from an administration standpoint, I think we... The administration is a very capitalist driven administration so you have to think like a capitalist in this moment doesn't matter how big or how small you are if you're thinking that way then you're fine um and don't always i think what, what, what a lot of restaurants did was we listened to the big people in the business telling us what to do versus saying okay i might bank with chase but i have this community bank on my corner Would it be better for me to get the money from the community bank and funnel the money back through them? Right. Maybe now everybody's going to those local, small community banks. I was one of those guys that was like, Oh, I don't need to go to a local community bank. I have chase, right? My accounting firm has 150 restaurants. We'll be good. No, we will not. And, um, uh, shame on me as a community guy. I should have went to spring Hill Carver bank, uh, true fund, any of these small banks in Harlem that had access to getting the SBA number a lot quicker because they're small and they know how to do it. And I think it will also make us think about where we keep our money in the future.
0: Talk to me about, you know, being your own delivery service. You've been making a lot of these hospital runs yourself at at all hours of the day. So tell me how you balance that and, and what it means to you to be physically on the ground feeding these first responders.
1: Yeah, uh, um my first delivery ever was a contactless delivery. So let me take a step back. In this process, I had to in this process, I, I went really old school. Like I put paper one wen- paper menus in the window that helped us get people to come in that probably walked by us and didn't know who what we were, what we were doing. We took phone calls, right? And would put your pickup order or your delivery order in. We never did that before. That opened up a whole new gate of people. And when I say people, elderly New Yorkers that like delivery, but they want to talk to somebody. Um, so our first delivery was from a, a lady in the community. My staff said, hey, you need to go on this delivery. She'll probably want to see your face. Um, I did contactless. She screened my name down the hallway. Excuse me, excuse me, field trip, field trip. Came back to her door um, and she said to me, can you help me? And I said, what do you need help with? She's like, can you move my oxygen tank? And I made a joke to her as in, are you going to kidnap me? And she was like, no, I'm not going to kidnap you. I really just need my oxygen tank. So I moved her oxygen tank for her. Then she said, can you feed my cat? I fed her cat. Can I pour her ginger ale? I poured her ginger ale. But in the midst of that, I had a conversation with her. Well, why did you order from field trip? And she said, well, my nurse's aide, I used to walk by your restaurant. And I would see how much fun everybody had coming in and out of the restaurant. And when I was watching the news, they were telling me to order from a local restaurant. So I ordered from you guys, knowing that somebody would help me because you were in the community and you were open. And she's like, I had no nurse's aid coming to me for weeks because, or for a week because of, I'm high, vulnerable to get the, the coronavirus, but I really need help. And that really started to make me realize that we needed to have boots on the ground. People needed to see our restaurant, really making deliveries if it was to the first responders in hospitals or to, um, to, to our local community. Um, now, since we're doing so many deliveries, we've hired a delivery team to do it of some local people in the community that have lost their jobs. Uh, we have two people that live here locally with their cars that do deliveries for us. Um, I do some here and there, uh, but it, it really made a lot for people to see me dropping off something or somebody from the restaurant dropping it off. That it was, it was more about making sure that a connection was really real and not just trying to be a, a hero that was on television.
0: It all makes me think that, you know, for a business right now, if you are a business and you're in a community like Harlem, a community where the people are really important to each other, if you are open, you're not just a restaurant, you're everything. You're the ginger ale pourer, you're the oxygen tank mover, you're the cat feeder.
1: Oh, you're, you're the, you're the barbershop, you're the psychotherapist. People, want to, people don't want to leave. I'm like, guys, I think you can have five people in the restaurant. They want to talk to you. You can't get them off the phone. Jacob was in here yesterday talking about Kanye being a billionaire, asking me how I felt about it, that they robbed him. I'm like, Jacob, I have seven people in the restaurant. You need to leave. He waited outside. He came back in. It's you know the, the, the connection of New York is, or especially for Harlem, is a community. We still talk to each other. We still say hello. So um, us as Field Trip. What I call it is that Obama hope. We keep that Obama hope alive uh, and people are able to walk by and see people in their community they know with a job and say, one day I'll be back at work or one day I'll be back eating at a restaurant. And I think that's what we've been able to do for the
0: country. I like that Obama hope. Um, Let's talk about your food for a second. What's selling? What bowls are, are most popular right now? Why? All the
1: bowls have been evenly popular. I had to take my gumbo off the menu because the, the sausage company went out of business. we are talking about food chain. And people are pissed. Like emails are coming through, DMs and Instagram. People really want the gumbo. Um, but a lot of comfort food. Gumbo is giving you comfort. Chicken with barbecue sauce, braised brisket. Um, our salmon is always our number one seller with our pineapple black fried rice um, and crab pockets. You know, everybody has their favorites. We're changing our wok vegetables for springtime, so you'll see a change there. But yeah, people really just love what they love. But I would say crispy chicken, salmon, and crab pockets are always the big sellers. uh, And they give some sense of comfort when you go home that you can sit in your chair and make you like slouch down on the couch with like that beautiful vegetable fried rice with crispy chicken breasts and like a very sweet and sticky barbecue sauce. Or the salmon with the black rice, knowing that black rice has vitamin B in it and helps diabetes. Uh, We get a lot of our our older clientele eating more black rice than they've been able to eat before in their life. So, you know, we call field trip very conscious eating. Um, When you talk about the pandemic and how it's hitting uh, African-American communities, Latinx communities, uh, because of the food in the community, field trip is there to show you what what you should be eating, but also that people really want to eat it. Uh, that look like the people in that
0: community. You really were one of the the first people, uh, restaurant-wise, who started addressing the the first responders. Um, and a lot of other restaurants have kind of caught on. Do you feel gratified that there's, there's a bigger community who saw it the same way you did?
1: Yeah, I mean, people were calling me all around the country asking me how to do it, how to do it. Friends, how my friend Justin Gaines in North Carolina with his two restaurants, and he's been able to impact his community. A couple of people in California, a couple of restaurants I never even heard of before that were reaching out to me. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, can, restaurants have always been the connector in any community, rich or poor, and it just shows you that in the hardest times, that restaurants were able to connect with first responders through, for us, our, through through rice somewhere else through bar- barbecue. Um, and you know, I just was able to act really quickly because of the first time I am I'm able, I'm an owner, like an actual, the actual owner where everybody has to come through me. So it was like, Hey, let's do this. And the team got on board. I mean, my sister is working on, on, on our feed team. Um, you know, which is really great for me. I think that's the biggest when you talk about gratification, like I was able to convince my sister who lives in Pennsylvania to, Hey, I know you're not working right now. She coaches basketball. There's, there's no AAU basketball coming. And for her to, she, she understands that nonprofit lifestyle and the reach out and organization. And she's done an amazing job. I think that's been the biggest gratification for my parents to kind of see us like work together from the sidelines. Um, but you know, for the chef community to come to come together and feed frontline workers is great. I'm not going to stop feeding. Uh, we're going to launch a new campaign really soon on what's needed in New York City, um, because I've learned that a restaurant is looked at as a luxury, and I figured out how to make it a, how to make it a necessity. Um, that's been really important for me in this journey. As uh, everywhere I put filter, but I commend anybody, uh, any restaurant on the front lines, any chef. Uh, that has got their team to come in and cook food and feed people. uh, Because what else else could you do? Sit home and watch Netflix or listen to your podcast.
0: (laughs) You don't even have to be home to listen to my podcast. I mean, stay stay home, but it it works at work too. Um, Our show is called Takeaway Only. JJ, I'm wondering what your big takeaway is from running Field Trip through this time.
1: Uh, My biggest takeaway is in the darkest moments, create, create, create and you will find something really beautiful at the end
0: jj thank you so much for taking the time to be here send my best to your family you're doing amazing work man it's good to thank see you, you. Very
1: much i uh, we'll share some sneakers the first sneakers that to, to get back on the turf when it's time
0: <laughs> i want those uh, those royals that are coming out on saturday <laughs> yes, I, yes. I, I want them bad have a good day you too man That was JJ Johnson. You can follow him on Instagram at Chef JJ, and you can send meals to first responders by visiting www.fieldtripfeed.com. Thanks so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Kahn, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Kahn, for Free Time Media. Our logo is by Reynald Philippe at b Pole's, Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardieu, Raphael Weil, and to the whole team at Welcome. Check out their important community building work at welcomeconference.org. We're back tomorrow. This is Takeaway Only.